to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two guys who still haven't dried out yet. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Hey, Dave. Unfortunately, this time uh, that introduction is very true. I'm still trying to warm up from last night. This is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zelak, and uh, yeah, no, wet socks are definitely on my in my penalty box today, probably. And if you follow us on any uh, form of social media, you will know that we were at the, the stadium series Saturday night. Uh, yes, we were. We got rained on with uh, everybody else. Um, part of my voice is still at the stadium series, so I apologize to everybody listening to this. Uh, on Gene's point, the best call I made for the evening was snow boots. Um, yeah. I, I was soaked head to toe, but my feet were dry. So Walmart snow boots, uh, you are in the opposite of the penalty box. You're you're getting the star of the game. First um, star of the game, Walmart snow boots. I'm, I'm reticent to admit this, but my wife was right when she advised me not to wear my running shoes, <laughs> sneakers to the game. Um, so let's start, let's start here. Every team, every year, no matter what the sport is, has their own individual Super Bowl. And it may be you're playing the Patriots or it may be you're playing the Warriors. You know, you're, you're the Knicks and you're playing the Warriors. Maybe that's your Super Bowl for the year. Uh, would we say that this was the Flyers Super Bowl this year? Oh, 100%. 100%. It was a huge game against the Penguins, our biggest rival. And the atmosphere surrounding the game, I mean, I've never been to the Super Bowl, but it was bigger than any game I've ever attended. Uh, even, even the Winter Classic I went to back in 2012, this was a bigger spectacle than that. There were more people. It was a sea of orange there and... Everything about this game said that it, it's one for history. So, yes, I'd say it's definitely the uh, the Flyers Super Bowl this year. It did set the record for most people to witness a live hockey game in the state of Pennsylvania. Oh, well, that would make sense. That would make sense. I didn't know that we uh, overtook Pittsburgh for that. I was going to say, we had to, we had to beat Heinz Field for that one, I guess. Yep, exactly. Gene, Flyers Super Bowl, let's say uh, we make the playoffs. Um and push the first series to a game seven, would this still be the biggest game of the year that we won? Yeah. And that was the point I was going to kind of bring up was no, you know, even if we were to go into the playoffs, I, I don't feel like other than people that are real hockey nuts are going to get quite as hyped as they did for this game yesterday. I feel like yesterday really was with the, as kind of Chuck was saying, the, the Super Bowl hype factor. I think when you, there were people that clearly maybe are not, Hockey fans or uh, Keith Urban fans that were definitely in attendance in that <laughs> in the building last night. So I feel like that, just like the Super Bowl, you draw in kind of uh, more folks that are kind of casual or even maybe non-followers of a sport that just want to be part of the event. And uh, as far as you know, a, a hockey game, a, a Flyers game, the, the only thing I could you know draw a, a line to would have been the winter classic and i think the difference was with the winter classic that one even felt like it was more for like the diehard flyer fan there was the 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 pre 
Winter Classic game, um, that the alumni game, which I actually thought was a better game than the actual Winter Classic myself. Um, but this game really felt like it was uh, was for fans of Philadelphia sports and, and, and just an event for the city. And I think that we showed ourselves well. You know, there wasn't any kind of insane fan moment that I saw other than Gritty couldn't keep his pants on. Does Gritty even wear pants? Um, <laughs> that was probably the most insane it got. Uh, Chuck, could could you you attended both events, right? So you're at the Stadium yeah. Series and the Winter Classic. Can you, I don't know, give us a compare? Sure, I'm, I'm happy to. And I I think Gene did touch on a really good point there. With this one, felt more Philly specific. The Winter Classic, it, it, it's a little more romantic, a little more nostalgic, but it's a, a more based on hockey. It's, you know, a celebration of Winter's game and the connection to Philadelphia was really just in the tangential stuff. So we had the roots, which was awesome. It was at Citizens Bank Ballpark. Awesome. Uh, we had Patty LaBelle. Awesome enough. I, I don't know why I'm slacking Patty LaBelle, but <laughs> it was awesome enough. Whereas this game was really sold as the Battle of Pennsylvania. But we had the art museum steps. We had the Rocky music. They brought out uh, Jimmy Rollins and the guys from the Sixers and uh, the guy from the Eagles. And Kelsey. Kelsey. Tobias <laughs> Paris, Boban. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Lauren Hart sang the national anthem. So, like, right there, yeah. that's like, boom, stamp, Philly, a Philly game. Exactly. And that was a huge difference. I was really disappointed in the Winter Classic that Lauren Hart performed between the first and second period and she sang God Bless America, but I don't even know if that was on TV. Here, it was that national anthem was on TV. It was showing Philly pride. So it very much felt like a celebration of Philadelphia, a celebration of Flyers, not just, you know, a celebration of hockey. So that was a great difference. There were more, there were fewer Penguins fans than there were Ranger fans. That Winter Classic game, um, I, I hate to put a number on it because I know it's not going to be accurate, but it felt more like, um, you know, 65 35 Flyers I felt, fans. Yeah, I felt when we were in at the link and I looked around for Penguins fans, it felt like the same ratio if it was a just a normal game at the center where it was a penguins flyers game the amount of penguins fans that would show up yeah that maybe even less maybe even less i think it was just more notable because there's so many people there but it it i i think in a normal game maybe penguins fans make up 15 percent of the crowd i say last night about 10 percent you know mm-hmm. yeah probably about 10 percent and and they weren't terribly vocal besides that dude next to us. And, you know, there, there didn't, I didn't see a fight in the stands. I saw a fight in the stands at the Winter Classic. So on the whole, as much as I love the prestige of the Winter Classic, I would say the, the stadium series took it. It was the more Philadelphia event. It was the better event. Um, the weather. Let's just get right into the weather situation. Um, it basically rained the entire game. And from, you know, when I was talking to people who were watching it on TV, they said you really couldn't tell that it was raining or not unless the camera showed 
you know, in a specific way where it was the, a beam of light that you could see the, the, the rain coming through. It was, it wasn't a driving rain, but it wasn't a drizzling rain either. It was just a steady rain. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I, I, it's hard for like I can't tell. So what what happens to the ice when it's raining like this? And plus, I didn't even see a lot of like interviews about this topic from the players about how bad the ice conditions were. So if either of you guys saw anything about that and had you know player feedback on, it, I'd love to hear because I haven't seen much on that. The only thing I did was I went back and watched a lot of the. I didn't. I don't think I watched the entire game back today, but I watched a lot of highlights and a lot of stuff like that. And honestly. Very seriously, I didn't notice too much of it affecting the play. It seemed like most of the pl- passes and most of the skating was pretty clean. Now, Chuck probably can speak more to this if that was just a matter of these are the best players in the world and they can kind of still do their jobs even in less than ideal conditions. Was it a, a product of adrenaline that they were as fired up for this game as we were? I mean, because even like by overtime, that move that... Um, Giroux puts on, uh, you know, at the end of the game, I mean, I, I can't imagine you can have that kind of control on really crap ice. So, um, spoiler alert there, the, the game went over there. <laughs> um, so, uh, but maybe, uh, Chuck, I mean, that that's how I took it was that it seemed like, you know, it, it was, was unaffected. And I expected to see some really bizarre stuff. Maybe, the, the you know, the only other thing, and I think I commented about this during the game, was it felt like kind of on both sides, of course, uh, other than like one weird goal from Pittsburgh. Uh, it felt like shots from the point was not a very effective way to attack the, the net. Uh, it seems like it was either hard for people to get sad or or I don't know if it was a, a like an eyeline thing, but it seems like shots from the point just were just going nowhere near the goaltenders. Um, it, a, lot, a lot for you to break down there, Chuck. <laughs> it is. And uh, Gene, that was a good point about it, it did seem like the shots from point were having a hard time making to the net. The, the quick way to judge whether the ice is good or bad is two things. One, snow. If there is a lot of snow early on, if there's a lot of deposits of snow early in a period or shortly after there's been a break and they've swept some up, that's not a good sign. That's usually a sign of pretty soft ice generating a lot of snow. Uh, The other is a bouncing puck. Um, Guys having sort of double clutch to, to grab it. Um, the puck being slow on the ice, and just the passes slightly missing the mark. And there was a, a lot of that, to be honest. It wasn't horrible ice. I'd say the first two periods, the ice wasn't great, but in the conditions, it was good. Uh, for an outdoor game, um, which the ice has been getting better and better over the years, but for an outdoor game, in the first two periods, I'd say the ice was good. It was a little soft. The third period, the ice was bad. And we we were talked about during the game. Um, it was very slow. You'd see them. There weren't as easy icing calls because the puck would lose momentum going down the ice. But And I'll be honest with you, I have the game on the TV right now. Um, but you see the puck bouncing. You see somebody having to take two or three chances to steady it. 
uh, a lot of the times in the game where it showed itself was I really questioned the Flyers' decision-making at time because the passes were off the mark. They're hopping over sticks. But puck handling, you're in contact with the, the puck more, so you have more control over it. If it bounces a little, you adjust your stick and catch it where it went. Whereas if I'm passing to Dave and he's 10 feet away from me, there's a lot of room for the puck to, you know, bounce, go off trajectory, that sort of thing. So I I don't think the ice wasn't good uh, compared to uh, NHL arena, but maybe compared to, you know, Tampa on a sunny day, um, the the ice was good compared to that arena. Uh, But by the third period, it was actively bad. And, like you said, Dave, I didn't hear any comments about this. I didn't hear anyone saying, oh, the ice was really bad after the game. I didn't hear any talk of that at all. Hmm. Interesting. All right. But I mean, like, we're burying the lead here. What? I mean, what a comeback. We're down 3 1 with, um, I don't know, how much How much time was up? Eight minutes? Yeah. And I, I really, it was, I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of, we were still down 3 1, like in the neighborhood of like five and a half. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, uh, and I know the weather had probably a lot to do with this. Um, also, the the fact that we're in Lincoln Financial Field and there's 70,000 people there may have had a lot to do with this. But, boy, just droves of people walking out. Oh, yeah, that I really hated to see that. You know, um, you know, to, to break down the game a little bit, we we talked to one another about the second period where the Flyers really came out strong, really pressed early. And it's one of those things where I was, you know, just, you know, kicking myself. Well, I don't know, kicking myself is the right term. I'm just like biting my tongue, knowing that if you put up this much pressure and you don't score a goal, the other team is going to get one real quick. And it happened. And then we get into the third and, the the penguins get that fluky goal you know the bounces high off of elliot's glove which probably had to do with the weather but whatever and then people just start leaving you know this wasn't a blowout this wasn't matt murray can't be beat you know this was this game was close enough and it's a once in a lifetime experience you know and having gone to two in philadelphia i can still say it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Well, it's yeah. never been played at the link before, so I exactly. mean that alone um, sets it apart. Um, but I think we, we, when you and I were talking about it afterwards, I think it was a great analogy. It's like, you know, your your team's up against it. It's in a they're in a bad spot. Don't you want to see how it ends, though? I mean, there's still yeah. plenty of time to mount the comeback. You know, there's there's you're the damn city of Rocky. <laughs> I mean, you got to stay to the end. And, and that's something I really try to um, impress upon the kids because at any like in a baseball game, any inning could provide something that no one has ever seen before in a, at a baseball game, you know, and scoring two goals in a five minute period is not the most incredible thing that's ever happened in a hockey game uh, that, that will rewrite the history books. I mean, it's 
you know, happens all the time. So the yeah. fact that you're saying that's just not, not going to happen tonight, or I want to be back, or I want to get out of the rain. It's like you sat in the rain for two, two and a half hours already. You're already wet. You're not going to get any wetter. Um, and I think the other analogy that we came up with was you're watching a movie and the hero seems like they're never going to get out of this mess. Do you just walk out of the movie theater? Or if like you're reading a book and in the last chapter, it just seems like the bad guys are going to win. Just throw the book away. I'm not going to read this. There's no <laughs> way they could come back. Yeah. I mean, I fully, I fully abandoned Die Hard. I'm like, well, I mean, it looks like Alan Rickman has this one won. And then I don't know how they made the sequels because, you know, John McClane was up against it. And I'm just like, all right, well, good job, Hans and, and terrorists. And I just turned it off because I I wanted to beat traffic and uh, get home early. I'm just a little disappointed in the city, you know. It's just yeah. like, you know, never surrender, like never say die. We can always pull it out. And even if we lose, at least we stayed to the bitter end and 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 fought all the way through. This, I don't know. This, this is, is where I, I was just disappointed to see people leaving. This is the thing I'll never understand. And and you know, I was raised by my father, who was a season ticket holder at the vet. And you know, even since I was the very first Eagles game I ever went to, I remember the Eagles were, were losing and people were leaving. And I turned to my dad. I said, "Does this mean we have to go?" Like essentially being like, "Well, if people are leaving, does that mean we we have to leave too?" Because I I'm literally having the time of my life at the time. And my dad goes, "No, you don't leave until the game's over. You you just don't." And I'll, I'll never understand the, the the concept of you've gone to a live event. Why do you want to beat traffic? Like, what do you have to do? What is so important that you've got to get back to? Like that's like if you don't figure that whole thing into the into the equation, why are you spending the money to go there? Why are you spending the money to park? Why are you going to tailgate? But the end is the thing. That's right? exactly the, it. The end is the most important part. Uh, we mentioned that Penguins fans enjoyed that game much more than the Flyers fans did for um, I don't know what like fifty five minutes of the 60 minutes that hockey was played or 65 minutes of hockey that was played. I mean, Penguins fans vastly enjoyed the game for the majority, but we were there for the sweetest part. That's the thing is they got the be- they got 55 minutes that night. We get the best part for the rest of our lives. Like that's the thing is we get the victory. So we get to we get to rub that into their faces. That's the best thing about a comeback is when you have somebody who's sitting next to you who's literally telling everyone around them we might as well just leave because clearly this game is over and we need to just accept the fact that we lost. There was nothing that felt better than when we all collectively chanted, let's go Flyers, at one pathetic individual who even his friend who he came with was like, you should boo this man. He's not even a real Penguins fan. <laughs> but wouldn't you rather wouldn't you rather see the last 10 minutes of a basketball game than the first 10 minutes of a basketball game. Absolutely. I mean, a basketball game is probably an extreme example of that because, (laughs) you know, obviously that's the most critical time, but I mean, I'd rather see the eighth and the ninth inning of a baseball game than the first and the second. I mean, I'd rather miss the first eight minutes of that hockey game than the last eight minutes. Yeah. Nobody throws a perfect game in the second inning. Uh, You know, Nobody has, uh, you know, John Elway isn't famous for a drive that he conducted in in, in the second quarter. Uh, you know, the catch wasn't made before halftime. You know, that's that's the thing. It's like the end. The end is the whole point. And I will never, as long as I live, I'm never going to understand 
people that go to live sporting events. Like, I kind of understand in Los Angeles the phenomenon is the show up in the sixth inning. I kind of get that. I Like, that I kind of understand, showing up late. You know, that I can't, I don't, I don't approve, but at least I understand. <laughs> I'll never get leaving early. It's just never going to be something in my DNA that I'm ever going to understand. I'm always going to be one of those people that's like, look, man, I know we're losing 10 nothing, but I don't want to be at home being like, damn, I could have been there when we scored 11 runs in the bottom of the ninth. That I don't, I really don't want that to be me. So all over Philadelphia, there's people lying about being there to see this comeback. I mean, they may have had a ticket to the game. There's probably some social media evidence to prove that they were at some point at Lincoln financial field on Saturday night while a hockey game was there, but they didn't see the comeback. Yeah. There's, so there's probably people all over the place who left still saying, Oh, you know, Oh yeah, it was amazing. I saw it. But then they cried themselves to sleep at night. Yeah. You know? There's, there, there's yeah. 30,000 people that are lying for sure. Yeah. And I, and especially this rivalry, why would you leave early? You know, the Flyers have proven they can come back against the Pens. And even if they don't come back, there was a real good chance this, this was going to get dirty. You know, after the Penguins went up 3-1, <laughs> to enough. one, after the Penguins went up 3-1, to one, Robert Haig more or less just went, hey, Malkin, we're fighting. And then Malkin didn't, and they both got the, like, two-minute penalties. But... Why leave early? There's been such a rich history of comebacks and crazy shit happening at the end of this these games. Hell, even the the last game against the Penguins, where you know they went up big early, and then Malkin takes the major, and then all of a sudden it was a game again. Like we could tie that game. You know why on earth would you leave this early? If you had kids there, that's fine. Like, but I need to see that the kid was there and that the kid was not a teenager. Like, if they are twelve and under, that is fine. But if they have a teen or above, no, sorry, you're sticking it out. Well, and the other thing is, uh, if you've been li- either a listening to this podcast, which clearly, if you're listening to this episode, you have been, and you are aware of this Flyers team at all, since we did the uh, lose for. Uh, what the heck is that guy's name now? I've completely forgotten. Hughes. Lose for Hughes. I knew there was some sort of rhyme. Taco Kokoban. <laughs> <laughs> Since we did lose for Hughes, the Flyers have been one of the hottest teams in NHL. And there are so many examples in that run of times where they have been counted out dead and 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 come back to life. Dave was at a game, I believe a couple two weeks ago, where they had to pull a goaltender and score in the final minute to push it to overtime. Uh, how you can't if you if you've done anything watching this team at all, you have to know that they are going to give you some sort of effort until the very end of the game. Uh, there's no evidence to think, that, and we all have said, the three of us at some point since October have said, I think the Flyers have quit. I, th- I think they've quit, and they've done nothing but prove us wrong. So uh, ever since probably that 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 last time I saw that game where they pulled the goaltender and and put pushed them in. What was that against? The, who was that against, Dave? Uh, uh, the Kings. The I think Kings. Yeah, the- ever since that game, I've been like, you know what? I'm all in. Like this team, I, I I can't wait to see if they can't you know get into a playoff spot maybe on the last day of the year because that would be really exciting. So here's what I want to shift to now. Um, wasn't it Marshall Falk who said special players, special plays, special days? Was that his quote? 
I feel like that was Marshall Falk. That certainly sounds like Marshall Falk. Special players make special plays or on Deion special Sanders, days. Or it's Deion Sanders, maybe. So whoever it was. So you're down three <laughs> one. JVR gets it to three two. Voracek gets it to three three. And to quote the drunk guy on the train platform last night, <laughs> wasn't it sweet to see the captain put the biscuit in the what, what did he say? Bury uh, the biscuit. In overtime, <laughs> so you got JVR, Voracek, and Giroux uh, that get you back into the game, tie the game, and win it for you in overtime. I mean, that's that's what you want to see, right? It is, and I mean, uh, it's not part of the people who led the comeback, but Couturier was the one to get the first goal shortly after the Penguins took a, a one nothing lead. But as a big JVR critic in the past. And I always preface that. I'm like, I'm, I don't try to be a critic of him now. When you say like... the past, you're also including Saturday night, right? In like the second period. It, no, I just thought I was being honest there. Like, I wasn't disappointed. I just know what to expect of him. And that was going to parlay into what I'm saying here. <laughs> JVR is a scorer. He's not a playmaker. So when you're down, you know, he's not going to go put the puck on my stick. I'll make this happen just by myself. But if he's in the right area and he has the opportunity to score, he's going to do it more times than not. And the thing that I appreciate that, and I I think I understand what you mean, is there are so many players where you see in that situation that he was in on Saturday night that are mispositioned and they get called for a penalty there. That so many times I have seen, if you watch enough hockey, you'll see that exact situation where there's just a scrum or a melee in front of the net and guys just aren't aware of where they are in space and they commit a penalty. And the thing that really impressed me, especially going back and watching the replay today, because there was no way, because I think that happened on the opposite end of the ice from where we were sitting. Uh, There was no real way for us to see other than the light going off that goal. Um, it, It was so refreshing to kind of look and be like, very clearly, he knew where he was and knew what he needed to do to legally score that goal. And it was so important at that time that it get in and, and be good. Yeah. There's so much activity around Murray and he wasn't part of it. And even on top of that, you know, people shank that like he was, you know, just outside the crease and just buried it. The puck came to an open space and he just drilled it in the net you know, people will shank that. People will try to handle the puck. But no, he just had a nose for the net and put the damn thing in there. And, you know, you can hear it because I've gone back and watched it myself. And you can just hear the atmosphere in the stadium. And you felt it when you were there. And it felt like a whole new game. It felt like, you know what, I think we're going to tie this now as opposed to, oh, it's a possibility or stick around. They ha- they're they're pretty good at this, but at that point, the momentum certainly swung in our direction. And then, you know, that JVR goal, you know, a few minutes later after the timeout, you know, that one, just another. You know, JVR has been really stepping it up lately. Not JVR, damn it. Uh, Voracek has been really stepping it up lately, and. Uh, another example of what was it under 30 seconds left that he managed to tie it up. It was under a minute. I don't know that it was under 30. It was, it was, it was probably, I think right around 30 seconds. Yeah. I think it was like 33 seconds. 
But the thing that was uh, interesting, I thought, and we talked about this while it was happening. Um, walk, you know, Chuck. Maybe, maybe talk talk me through what you think on the bench. The decision making might have been. Do you think if we are not in that four on four, we were because we were on a four and four situation or a five on four situation? I think we were four and four on one at one point, and we. Talk me through what you think the decision making was, because we we scored that goal on on essentially a power play, both goals on a power play because we yanked the goaltender, right? Well, yeah, we had the man advantage, and the the distinction between the power play and just having the man advantage is the Penguins' ability to ice it. The one to bring us to three two, and I can't recall now if the power play had ended or if we were still on the four-on-three power play. And Dave is a big proponent of pull the goalie early. It was four-on-four, and we pulled the goalie. So it was a five-on-four situation, so the Penguins couldn't ice it. I thought the I thought during the for the JV part of the right before the JVR goal, I thought we were actually five on three. I thought we would said we, we had said that we we, we we were five on three at that point. Uh and but I think at one point we were really concerned because they were we were very close to the point where they were going to get a guy coming out of the box. And we were talking about what we needed to really guard against was uh, that guy coming out of the box breaking free and having uh, having you know a, a shot right at the net. So I think that we scored that goal five on four right at, like right around after um, they got the man back. So it was four on four, and then there was another penalty, and then we played like twenty seconds uh, of five, of four on three, and then we pulled the goalie. Right? Uh, yes, that's yes. kind of how that went down. Yeah, yeah I'm it's... a big, I'm a big fan of it. I, I think you, <laughs> because if you're gonna pull, if you're down by one and you're gonna pull a goaltender with, I don't know, ninety seconds left to try to tie it up, if you happen to go on a power play with say. Four minutes left. I feel like that's the better opportunity to pull the goaltender and try to strike while the iron's hot, as opposed to just doing the conventional. I'm going to wait until there's 90 seconds left, or you know, 120 seconds, and and try to go for it there. And, and I understand that reasoning. Uh, Patrick Wall had a lot of early success with that. Um, I don't know. I feel like you you can generate a lot of pressure, even strength. But but during uh, the stadium series game, we were talking about the bad ice, and you were advocating for pulling the uh, pulling Elliot, and I was all for it uh, because they were gonna have a hard time, you know, getting that free icing, you know, right getting it down our end because it was just going to lose so much steam and or be able to accurately get a shot on goal from deep because if you were going to put any air on that puck and it was going to hit the ice who knows what it was going to do when it yeah. actually came down exactly exactly and they they took great advantage of it and you know it's so and, and the flyers are good with the extra man they are they are good with the extra player and the goalie pulled and you know, that was the game. That was, you know, how they came back and, and won it. And can we, can we, can we talk about my radical concept? Oh God. Yes. If, I, I, I need Gene to hear this. Okay. Cause this was like 1am me talking crap, but 
What if you went into a game and said, every time we have a face-off in the offensive zone, we're going to pull the goalie? I think that there's probably mathematicians or Gabe Kapler who would probably agree with you. I need someone to run that through the uh, through the, through the, the mainframe yeah, and tell me what would happen. Machine. You would lose like 12 to 6. <laughs> It'd be a much – it would be very exciting. It would, oh, it would be tremendously exciting if you were playing against us, but you would lose like 12 to 6. I'm not so sure about that. I, you couldn't keep up the pressure. You couldn't – like – and the way the team you'd be playing against, they wouldn't be playing that prevent defense of just hold on to a lead. It would be like, well, we might get scored upon, but they literally have an empty net. You know, it's going to break in our favor sooner or later. I think you're talking in hypotheticals. You don't know for sure. Because I, no I, one's I... ever been radical enough to try it. <laughs> <laughs> well, was Dave. Bobby Clark or Clint Eastwood or what was that impression you were doing there? It's uh, Clint Clark. <laughs> well, Dave, the Flyers' head coaching job is going to be available come the end of the season. So I feel like we could submit this episode as your resume and see if uh, if we can't, you know. Hey, if someone, if someone out there is doing a, you know, it's got the lose for Hughes uh, vibe going, and hey, try it. I, I would love for you to try it. It's like <laughs> the closers starting the baseball game. It's like... Um, I don't know. I don't know what even else. Punting on third down. Yeah. (laughs) You got to zig when everyone else is going to zag. Going for it on fourth. (laughs) But here here is something I wanted to bring up before we we get away from hockey. Did did it feel to you somewhere? We're not getting away from hockey. I have a lot of like uh, fun stuff to talk about. But all right. (laughs) Go ahead. One of the things I wanted to. Did it feel like to you guys at any point where all of a sudden it, it felt like they were playing this like a game seven? You know what I mean? It, it felt like the Flyers were going to do whatever they had to do to win this game. Somewhere in the third period, I just felt that even though we were down, that they were going to do do the kinds of things you would do if you were in a in an elimination game. That uh, and part of it was also that we were trying to showcase some players, and 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 to a certain degree, I think that some of our long tenured players wanted to have some of our the guys that were going out go out on a high note and didn't want to just the bon, via, bon voyage be just a, a three to one loss. So I feel like there was a, like a, an added an added bit of emotion. And from what I saw of the the, the post game ceremony uh, in the locker room, if you call it a ceremony, the post game wrap up that they had in the locker room, they they presented uh, Drew with the with the traditional biker helmet that they they wear at the end of the game, and Drew said, <laughs> "Quite said, traditional." No, 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 nope, not not mine today. And and then it went to Voracek, and Voracek said, "No, no, not not mine tonight. I think tonight it's got to go to Wayne Simmons." And uh, I feel like, it, from what I heard from some of the beat guys, they they kind of said they, there wasn't a dry eye in, in the locker room. Um, there's a lot of love with those players for Wayne Simmons. Uh, so I feel like he's going to go, but it, it was nice that this is, if, if this is his last game as a flyer, uh, what a way to go out. Yeah, Gene. Um, I agree. Um, it is a hell of a uh, swan song for Simmer. And he, he's gone. Like I, if if Simmer is not gone by the end of the day, the day all of you are listening to this, I'd be floored. It's 
I, I hear latest talk that Winnipeg, Nashville, and and someone else were you know the active. Lightning. Yeah, I heard yeah, Tampa the, Bay too. Yeah, the Lightning. I, I was thinking of somebody else, but you know, all these contending teams want to bring in Simmons to to give him this push. So this this was you know his last game. And it's rare to see that so openly acknowledged and, you know, goes out, lays that big hit on Dumoulin, you know, being that aggressive, that clean, aggressive player. I read a stat today that he's never been suspended. Yeah. Yeah. Think think of it that way. Think of the way Wayne Simmons plays. He's never been. He's never been suspended. Never been suspended. And that that's remarkable. And it's not even like. Well, oh, Malkin's hardly ever suspended because they don't call anything on him. No, like Simmer plays up to the line. He plays up to the line, and if it crosses over, it's barely over. But that game, what a what a great send off! If this is his last game as a Flyer, and everyone believes it is, and that game seven intensity, I I think it was going to be there no matter what, but. You know, we have Elliot there. You know, who knows if Elliot's being traded now with whatever's going on with Hart. But it really, I, they came out to fight for something, and, and they really did. And that was a well-earned win. And Well, aside you know, from all that, Zimmer. aside from all that, the season's on the line. I mean, yeah. we were talking about, we're down 3-1, and we were basically saying, if they lose this game, when are we scheduling the eulogy for the season, the eulogy episode? Um so this definitely put because it's a four point game. I mean, yeah. when it comes down to it, so you absolutely ha- positively one hundred percent had to win this game, um, and then to pull it out in the fashion they did. Yeah, hell yeah, man! What a great last game. I mean, it's it's it'll definitely be when I think of Wayne Simmons in the future, I'm going to think of this game. Yeah, that, it's a good one to think of, and especially because. I don't know. He does so many little things. You know, he's had big games. He's had hat tricks. He's had big fights. But it's really just his consistency, the game in, game out. And, yeah, he's a streaky scorer, but he's always a presence on the ice. He's always someone you have to pay attention to. So um, all those Wayne Simmons jerseys out there, like there's a lot of people that have Wayne Simmons jerseys. Legacy jersey? Like one oh, of those yeah. jerseys you could just wear forever. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, yeah. It's hold on to your Simmons jersey. You know, it's it won't be retired because he's not going to the Hall of Fame. But you know, it's gonna be a long time before someone wears that again. And he'll be in the Flyers Hall of Fame. You know, he'll when his career is over, he'll be a part of the alumni games. You know, he'll probably end up living in the area. I think but, if I I think if I can find a winter classic Simmons jersey after he gets traded on some sort of reduced price, that's one I would just go out and get, even though he's not <laughs> on the team. Anymore. You mean like a stadium series one, like from this game? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I don't remember if he was on the team for the Winter Classic or not. That's what I mean. I, I keep calling it the Winter Classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's the cla- it's our classic that was in winter. Well, here <laughs> here's the thing. Maybe more than any of the, uh, the other four major teams, there are so many flyers that have have gone to other places that I have remained really big fans of. I'll give you a good example. I, I have always kind of kept tabs on even Justin Williams' career. 
And when I hear that he does something great, you know, and he hasn't been a flyer for a long time. Uh, he's been not a flyer a heck of a lot longer than he was a flyer. But even, you know, when I hear how he, he does, I still go, hey, former flyer, Justin Williams. Hey, is that the case of another team taking a flyer on a flyer? <laughs> well, very well played, Dave. Thank you. But yeah, I think maybe I'm more you, maybe more than any other of the other teams there have been other, you know, and and Scott Hartnell, another guy when he when he left, I, you know, I was really sad to see him go, but kept tabs kind of on the, those last couple of years he played other other places. Uh Mark Recchi was a guy who played every, like he was a jury, he played everywhere, but in my heart he was always he was always going to be he was a flyer, you know, and I feel like maybe other than Chase Utley, you know, baseball maybe is kind of closer to the equivalent and Chase Utley I still rooted for pretty, you know, I hate the Dodgers, but Chase Utley always wanted to. You know, he could he could get go four for four, and the Dodgers lose by six. That's what I wanted. Um, <laughs> but like, I I can't think of like football players that I really root for out uh, that that left. But hockey players, I feel like, and and Rod Brindamore wore seventeen too, so that's a pretty good number, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Brindamore, uh, Jeff Carter. Oh yeah, and. Um. And they gave that one quick away. There was no mourning period for Jeff Carter. It was <laughs> he was out. <laughs> Simmons like you want Carter. <laughs> like, well, they were Carter's part of number? that was the trade, right? Simmons and Carter. Like Carter was in that. That was he was part of that deal, wasn't he? It happened the same day. Like, oh yeah, that's right. Minutes of one another, yeah. but no. Um, Mike um, Richards got us Shen and uh, Simmer. And you know, Shen became Morgan Frost and Joel Farabee, which that's yeah, Morgan Frost. Oh, he is killing it. I think I saw forty-five points in twenty games in his junior career this year. Um, uh, whereas Carter went to Columbus and brought us Voracek, um, the pick that would be Couturier. And Nick Cousins, I think. Um, but yeah, well, so I'd, I'd say, like, you know, in hindsight, that deal pretty good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't I, know I that mean... we all loved it the day it happened, but. So here's what I'm going to do I'm going to go ahead and call it now and say this is going to be an all, an all hockey episode. I'm going to cut the rest of the outline. I think we're going to cover uh, Phillies, like when Harper signs tomorrow today <laughs> whenever um and the Sixer stuff we can hit up anytime because there's some more there's plenty more about this game that i want to i want to get into and i really want to um you know savor our classic that was in winter <laughs> um you know this was a national game right so all eyes are on uh the savage philadelphia fan that doesn't know how to behave themselves so um i kind of saw three Three things uh, during the game, and I want to, I want you guys to weigh in on if that was out of line, or if that was just good natured. You're you're in our stadium. We're gonna just give you a, give you a good hard time about being a Penguins fan. All right, and how many of these things did I directly do? Uh, you did zero of them. Oh, so good. Thank everyone you. here is clear. <laughs> I would never I would never bring something like that to light. Um, okay, so the first one is uh, Dumoulin gets up after his injury and everyone boos. 
that came out pretty uh pretty loud and clear over the TV sets. It came up pretty loud and clear in person too. <laughs> like, I was it, trying to figure out if it was some sort of like was there was there a coots thing going? You know, is it like one of those like player things, or were you just literally booing the fact that he was able to get up under he his own volition? He was able to function. What's that, Gene? Like the, if we were booing that he had all of his faculties. Yeah, it's like, oh, thought he was dead. <laughs> you promised me a dead penguin. That is not a dead penguin. Like what? Um, what? What was that about? And it's not even like, oh, Dumoulin kills us. I I don't know. I the impression I got, and I don't know where I got it from, was the fact that it was like after the penalty was called, he like sort of springed up quickly. And maybe people it synced up when people realized there was a penalty. Yeah. And like penalty was called. He got up and started leaving the ice. Well, started skating. It wasn't yet clear. He was leaving the ice, Um, you know, fairly comfortably. I think it was like, oh, he's faking it as he left off to go to the, you know, silent room to be studied for a concussion. And did he return to the game? We don't know that. I, I, I don't, think, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. I don't, I don't think he did. <laughs> All right, so that one was out of line. Yeah, but maybe that one. It's, uh, we've been framed. <laughs> yes, it was all of those Penguins fans, and they were booing so Flyers fans <laughs> would look bad. I, I think that's a legitimate theory. I'm going to stand beside I, it. I, I'm going to say that that's kind of a hockey thing, though. You know what I mean? Like... There's a little bit of a of a bloodlust in in hockey fandom, and uh, you know, maybe not like if you get down into like Arizona, but if this was Boston against um, Detroit, you might get the same kind of you know. Th- this is our rival, you know. What I mean, like we do have a certain amount of vile. So as much as I think that it was probably inappropriate. Uh, you know, is this the is this throwing a snowball at Santa? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, when an entire yeah. section, when an entire section of fans chants "asshole" at points at one person that's wearing the opposing team's jersey, have you you seen this? This is like "asshole, asshole," and you're like all just pointing at the one person. Uh, I think that is fine. I'm totally okay uh, with it. Okay. Yeah. Me too. Especially because it did not escalate um, to like physical violence against that person. So uh, I think that is perfectly fine, although it treads a dangerous line. Okay. All right. Number three. Actually, I have four. So we'll get to the fourth one too. So uh, number three, uh, when we were walking out, there were. Uh, two Penguins fans who were saying nothing to no one, but there was a clearly intoxicated woman screaming at the back of their necks, let's go Flyers, the entire way out of the stadium. Oh, from, and, and Mario Lemieux sucks, I believe. From, also what she said. <laughs> In case from, you didn't realize that Mario Lemieux sucks. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure she followed them all the way to their cars. Uh, we were convinced they were going to follow. She was going to get follow, follow them all the way to Harrisburg. and she got progressively closer too yeah like it started off like 
maybe 12 feet away and then by the end she was like screaming into yeah. the back of their, their neck their neck hairs were tickling her lips by the time uh we got out of that stadium and she uh, was another just so one, angry. another one i'm totally okay with uh gene i'll let you go first what's your opinion on this uh I thoroughly enjoyed it, so it's hard for me to rip it because I was so entertained by it the entire way down the the concourse. Uh, I would felt have felt very uncomfortable had the sh- shoes been reversed, and um, yeah, but no, I'm I'm actually kind of fine with that. Oh no, I think we talked about like you know if if you are out there and you are listening to this show, um, random screaming lady, you are welcome on it. You are an honorary Potadelphia member. Like, and I joined in. Like, I did not join in the actual, like, aiming at them harassment, but I echoed those Let's Go Flyers chants. Yeah. Pot- email us, Potadelphia, uh podcast at gmail.com with your Skype address. We will gladly have you on the show. Yeah. <laughs> and you can give us a, a replication of your uh, Let's Go Flyers chant. I mean, of course, after you have a uh, 12 pack. <laughs> okay number four um gritty ruins an otherwise normal cheesesteak eating contest by dumping a bucket of cheese whiz on the contestant from pennsylvania pittsburgh uh yeah pittsburgh i'm sorry are we uh, over this staged do something horrible to the you know, fan of the opposition. You see this with the fanatic, all the, I mean, like every stadium and uh, arena does this. I feel this setup was nice because I actually thought a cheesesteak eating contest was going to happen. Yeah. And I agree with you on that. Cause that I was like, I was interested to see it. <laughs> then once, and I don't know why, but I really was interested to see it, especially if they're the stadium cheesesteaks. Um, <laughs> that kind of tasted like Newports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about the stadium cheesesteak uh, too. <laughs> but I I just don't think it you know should have gotten as much attention as it did. Like people were howling with laughter. And like people next to me were going like, did you see that? He got the guy from Pittsburgh. I'm like, okay, if you're under 10, like you, you should buy this. Anyone else should just go, ha, that's kind of funny and move on with their day. So I'll give it a mild passing grade. It's not my cup of tea, but it, it's fine for mascot schnick. Could you imagine if it was not rigged, though? If it was not a setup, it, it just <laughs> happened to be someone who. Uh, legitimately was there bought a ticket spent their two hundred dollars or whatever to see the game and gritty pours a bucket of cheese with what would happen two buckets of cheese whiz. he two went back buckets. for a second bucket <laughs> that's true it's like you you didn't even have the courtesy to pour real cheese on me <laughs> well real opposing fans get their hats thrown um yeah beers I, thrown on them Oh, well, oh, sorry. I was talking <laughs> Not about by my... Gritty. Uh, are we sure? Are, are we sure? So I. <laughs> are we sure Gritty hasn't been in the parking lot? Just like <laughs> that's where they found him. It was that Eagles Vikings game, and there's this this crazy redheaded monster like throwing beers at Vikings fans. It's like, hey, dude, what are you doing this fall? <laughs> Want to be and, a mascot? And Gritty was born. Um, 
but <laughs> no, it'd be fantastic if it wasn't staged. Like, and gritty is pouring like molten cheese whiz on the dude. <laughs> it's like, though, yeah, those are third degree burns, but thankfully, acts of gritty are insured out the ass. So, acts of gritty. But no, I, the, passing grade, but it, it was fine. I, I'll take that over booing the injured player, but not by much. Okay. Choose your own adventure time. Do we want to talk about the cheesesteak or do we want to talk about gritty? Which one do we want to go to first? Uh, let's go cheesesteak since we were on that topic. Okay. We all got a cheesesteak. Uh, admittedly, we didn't get it from uh, the most reputable of sources. We got it just from the generic uh, food counter near our seats because it was a shit show down there i mean it was impossible like when we were in xfinity it was impossible to get a beer every every food stand or uh purveyor of fine alcoholic beverages was just mobbed uh so we just decided hey let's get up to our seats and we'll just grab food there so we all got a cheesesteak a cheesesteak i'll tell you what aramark this was cheesesteak in the loosest sense of the word <laughs> I think the first indicator that something was wrong was after, you know, we got to the seat and stuff. I picked it up and it was a cold log of something wrapped in paper. <laughs> it was cold to the touch. <laughs> it was it was cool. <laughs> and you open it up and uh we have photographic evidence of this. It was basically <laughs> slices of uh slices like two slices of i don't even call them like uh craft singles yeah. white american cheese in a roll and then um steakum that was cooked two hours ago and then just kind of put on top and, well, it, and like it was, the cheese was not melted it was grisly as if it was like made when they got that b-roll footage that they showed during monday night football games of a guy making a <laughs> cheesesteak like it was still from that that shot that they've been reusing since about 2007. You got better cheese sandwiches at the fire festival than what we got <laughs> for $12 uh, at Lincoln financial field. So Aaron Mark, you should be ashamed of yourself. Anything else about the cheese thing? Uh, well, I, Dave, you had talked about wanting a cheese steak and I'm like, oh, I haven't got a cheese steak at a stadium in a while. And I'm like, eh, it, I'll just go for the hot dog. And it was a marginal difference in price. So I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll get a cheesesteak. And the whole time I'm eating that cheesesteak, I'm like, sure. Goddamn hot dog. <laughs> like, and I, <laughs> it was a poor call all around. And that was some like gray ass meat. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that was not beef color. <laughs> Look, I expect to pay, you know, through the nose for concessions uh, at these events. Fine. It's fine. But at least just, like, you know, make it okay. Yeah, tolerable. Like a Wawa cheesesteak was much better. Yeah. Anyway. All right, let's go on to Gritty then. Um, so we have the three. The, like, I have three Gritty events. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so maybe, I, I don't know, if I miss any, jump in there. So we we talked about the uh, cheesesteak eating contest with the, the cheese with. So that one's good. Uh, gritty zip lines from the top of Lincoln Financial Field to the ground. Now, 
Chuck, you can test that that was the actual gritty. And I, I think it should. Pro- it was probably some sort of stunt double, a stunt gritty. <laughs> stunt gritty. Is well, the I... actual. So do we know who dons the suit? Gritty dons the suit. <laughs> I don't want to what hear. suit, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Gritty puts on the uniform unless she doesn't. Spoiler alert. But I, I, I don't want to hear any talk of anyone other than Gritty. But to my knowledge, that was Gritty. He is well trained from whatever mascot academy he went to, and that is legitimate. He had a fine mascot resume before he was discovered whipping beers at Vikings fans. In the K-lot. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you got to have some stones to zip line from up there. Yeah. uh, Well, fuck it. I I salute you, Gritty. That's some brave shit. And he did some, like, backflips and... I mean, he dropped the whole way and and didn't hesitate. If if that was me up there, I'm, I I don't I think I would probably waver in my decision making. All right, and then in the second intermission, we got gritty gritty goes streaking. <laughs> I think his streaking wasn't actually during intermission. I think it was actually you know just in a commercial break. Okay, because I remember thinking I'm like. Like by the time he was escorted out of the game, <laughs> like puck drop was like a second later. Yeah, no, I like, think you're right. I was like, I, I know they're professional athletes and shouldn't be distracted by this shit, but I'm like, you have to imagine going up to face off. Like, do you just see gritty streaking? Like, you you would have to imagine it's at least a little distracting. And I was all favor of gritty streaking. You know, it happens to the best of us. Uh, he did post on his Twitter later that he was kicked out of the game for streaking. So <laughs> I just I vote. I vote the streaking was my favorite gritty moment. Yeah, I think that was the the only thing I wish had happened was when the, the problem was they let the mites on ice and their tiny little rink play way too much. Like they they must have logged. I, I'm not even kidding. Like three hours of ice time on that <laughs> tiny little rink. And by the time Gritty went be- and belly flopped on it, there was just no surface for him to slide on. So he just kind of, like, died right in the middle. Like, I know that originally the idea was probably for him to, like, slide across that little pond. But um, that was just something. Because I could see that coming a mile away. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. He's going to slide against the whole thing. And then he just kind of died on the belly flop. But yeah. that would be the other thing I want to bring up. Kudos to whatever squad they found to be the Mites on Ice group. Those kids... And I'm pretty sure it was just like one team that was scrimmaging against itself. They came to play. They were out there every single break in the action and just, they just gave it their all. Yeah, they left it all on the ice. <laughs> An ice surface that wasn't cleaned. But no, they, they were going at the whole game. Um, okay, so let's see. What else about the game? Uh, we kind of already talked about the uniforms and stuff on previous episodes, so I don't know. But do you want to talk about the, the the goalie masks? Do we want to talk about the fact that Carter Hart didn't play? Like, probably the most prominent news. <laughs> I mean, or, yeah, he didn't play because he has a lower body injury. Yeah, well, that, that's fine. Let's go to the goalie masks. He's, he's on vacation at uh, on LBI. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. They were cool. The masks were cool. If you saw the release on Twitter and all that stuff, they were they were 
pretty cool. I mean, Carter Hart's was pretty cool. Yeah, I I, I like Carter Hart's. Uh, Elliot's was my favorite, the one with the Eagles wings, and it looked good on the ice. From when I when I actually watched the 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 coverage, you, well, you that's, can still see it. That's kind of what you want, right? Like a simple, bold design when you're in playing in a stadium. I mean, Carter Hart's had like you know friggin' Nick Foles on one side and Carson Wentz on the other side. It's like, first off, dude, you got to pick a side. You can't be both, <laughs> right? Not in this town, bruh. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Eagles wing, I think that was the way to go. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I did like uh, Carter Hart's design, but yeah, you're not going to see that from far away. It wouldn't have read that well on TV. And yeah, it should have been like Nick Foles on one side and, you know, another great Eagles quarterback, not Carson Wentz. Like, pick your one or the other. You can't or have Peterson. both. Or Peterson. Oh, that would have been good too. Yeah. Or like the or like the Philly Philly on the other side, which we <laughs> like did get Lombardi to see the, the we got to see the Philly Philly statue poorly black backlit, but we were in the presence of the Philly Philly statue. It was that statue was weird. It had like a giant floodlight right behind it, so if you wanted to take a picture in front of it, you really couldn't. Yeah, no, you would have been in a shadow. It was, it was not great. Um, okay, but yeah, speaking of Doug, uh, Dougie Fresh. Doug drops the puck, comes out for the ceremonial puck drop. Talk, uh, we talked a little bit about this uh, before the game. Uh, give, give me your rankings again between uh, ceremonial puck drop, throwing out the first pitch, coin toss at an NFL game, or ringing the bell at a Sixers game. Which one is uh, most prestigious? I had said that the coin toss is most prestigious because uh, there's only eight home games a year. So uh, it is the more rare feat to accomplish. Uh, also, it's kind of, um, you know, it's not as high pressure as throwing out the first pitch because you've got to really be able to perform or else you're going to look pretty ridiculous if you, like, just throw it right into the ground. Especially when you've seen people that with all kinds of ailments and and, and things that are able to, to, to do it and then you come out and suck. That That's never a good look. Um Ringing the bell probably would be like the second favorite thing because I feel like the NBA has got a a, a much it's got a got a cool factor, um, but uh, yeah, and and sometimes there isn't a ceremonial puck drop. You only get them for big games, so um, I don't know. That's that's pretty good too. But I'm going to stick with my answer and say that coin flip is 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 the most prestigious. Okay, and I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, I I'm going to say ceremonial first pitch. Uh, is definitely the best. Uh, you know, it happens pretty much every game. Uh, there are so many games that a lot of people get to do it, but you have people as prestigious as presidents going out to do it. S- like sitting presidents will throw out the first pitch. Uh, it frequently gets in the game coverage. So first pitch is, you know, the the most important the most impressive and uh, like the fact that it does take effort to do this doesn't mean you just show up one day and go like all right fine i'll do the first pitch you know what's baseball what am i doing you know the person has to you know put some effort in to just not thoroughly embarrass themselves i would put ringing the bell second i think it's fairly new but it is making an impact they're the up-and-coming team Basketball is just more popular on the whole. Uh, ceremonial puck drop. It's, you know, 
like a smaller scale uh, first pitch. And, you know, there's a lot of great photo opportunities. And I'm going to say last is the coin flip because the the person there for the coin flip, they're not even doing the coin flip. <laughs> it's the ref that's doing it. It's just like, and, you know, bringing up for the coin flip, flip Henry Winkler and like the Fonz waves to the crowd and then just kind of stands there and then things happen and then they leave. So I'm going to put coin flip dead last. Yeah, I like the first pitch too because there's glory to be had. Like if you groove it in there, you get some you get some cheers. You know, there's yeah. something on the line there, right? Um, question about the puck drop because we had two different. So it was Giroux and um, Crosby, right? Yeah. And it, it it looked so when I when I saw the pictures on TV or whatever, it looked like Giroux had the. I forget which one was which. So one of one of them had the I'm going to take the stance like, er, this is a real face off and then the other one was like i'm cheesing it for the camera <laughs> what uh what is the correct do you want to make it an authentic looking puck drop and go this is a real puck drop or do you want to take the photo op and cheese it uh generally you take the photo op and cheese it and you know it's they drop it and the home team captain wins it like right, the right, opposing right. captain doesn't although in the night uh honoring hartnell's retirement he went out there and told the guys to fight for it. <laughs> and he's like, you know, $100, whoever wins the face-off. That's on brand. Yeah, and, and there was a bit of a fight for it. So that was that was pretty cool. But no, I, I think you cheese it up and you pose with the sticks. So. Okay, cool. Um, well, without further ado, I mean, on an all-hockey episode, you know we got to go to Chuck's penalty box. All right, and this episode has been my absolute favorite. Um, so we'll start with Gene. Gene, who is in your penalty box this evening? Well, I think it's uh, it's a it's almost was an easy one this week. I'm going to put Nike in uh, in my penalty box this week mm. because uh, they put together a, they had a an opportunity with a game against Duke, the pretty much touted. F- uh, first pick of the draft goes out there. This is in front of Barack Obama, who was in the stands at Duke. And uh, yeah, no, their shoe early in the game fails. Shoe failure, knee injury to the best player in the nation, Nike. That is not a good look. Not a good look. The only thing that was shared more than the video of the shoe failing was the Onion article of how <laughs> Nike fired the eight year old shoemaker who had made the shoe so um nike you are in my penalty box for uh just not great not great pr on that one this week all right nike you're getting uh a game misconduct uh, and the door because of the injury you call zion and the humorous onion article we all uh passed around Game misconduct for Nike and Dave, who is in your penalty box? All right, I'm putting Mike Florio in my penalty box this week for an article he wrote on NBC Sports entitled Hall of Fame Should Wave Waiting Period for Belichick and Brady. And in fact, in the article, 
he also insinuates that we shouldn't even wait for them to retire from the sport before we induct them into the Hall of Fame. And no, no, it didn't seem like the article to me was tongue-in-cheek or there was any jesting about it. It seemed like a legitimate plea that we should bestow this honor upon them that was not good enough for Joe Montana or John Elway or any other automatic first ballot Hall of Famer that had to wait their time to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I, I don't know if this is just some sort of cow towing to the Patriots once again, but it's it's utter nonsense. The, parag- the, the article was essentially a paragraph. It was maybe 250 words at best. It's just how does shit like this even get published? So for that, I'm putting Mike Florio in my penalty box. All right, Mike Florio, you're going into the penalty box and no waiting period for you. You're getting two minutes now while you're still on the ice. And I got to say, this is the rare penalty box that actively pissed me off. I didn't hear about this article, but I think it's bullshit on Dave's behalf. So, Florio, you're in the penalty box. Chuck, who is in your penalty box? All right, I think I'm going to keep my penalty box pretty damn on brand, and I'm putting Bailey, the L.A. Kings mascot, in the penalty box because uh, the other day at 8.05 p.m., Bailey tweeted, Hey, at NHL, every stadium series before this, the mascots were not allowed to be anywhere near the field. So did Gritty not follow the rules, or does he get special privileges? Hashtag asking for 28. So this is part of a greater Gritty backlash from NHL mascots. They are claiming that Gritty steals their bits and claiming that Gritty is getting too much attention. And I'm going to tell them all to shove it. Because, A, there's no such thing as an original mascot bit. They've all been done. You should all be thanking the Fanatic and the San Diego Chicken and Yuppie and whoever. Um, The Gritty coming down in that neon outfit. They were saying, oh, that was a San Jose Sharks bit. Yeah, before that, you know, Dude Perfect did it. Plenty of other people (laughs) did dressing up in friggin' neon. When they Tinkerbell does it every fucking night at the Magic Kingdom. (laughs) Damn straight. Like when when they have the light up wrist bracelets, they go, Oh, they're stealing this thing from you know Philadelphia. And unless you throw them on the ice, you're not stealing it from Philadelphia. <laughs> Are you doing the on ice projections? Oh, you're stealing it from this. No, you're not. You're a regional attraction. Don't be jealous of Grady because he's freaking national. He's raising all of your ships. So Bailey at all. You're getting a double minor for not appreciating a good thing when you see it. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have for today. We'll see you back again next Monday. But I'm sure we're going to have a Harper signing this week. As always, uh, please remember to review uh, and uh, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you find your your podcast uh, really helps us out, helps other people find the show. Also, follow us on social media. Just uh, just search Podadelphia, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're, we're there on all of them. Um, also, uh, if you have some time, check out our sister show, The Whip Around. And um, 
Have a great day at work, everybody. Happy trade deadline day.